Hi there. Thank you for downloading, listening to, and watching the Lean Into Artcast. This is a show where a couple of visual storytellers get together to take on various topics that tend to bubble up once you go off on this endeavor of communicating with images. We think hard about this stuff, so you will too. My name is Jersey Droz. I am a cartoonist and teaching artist, and the other host is... Hi, I'm Rob Stenzinger, and a lot like Jersey, I do the stuff and I teach the stuff I do. So what I do is user experience and interactive design and development, um, you know, working on things solo and collectively. Do it's, that and teach that. We, we do and we teach. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that goes back to the thing that Sally Carson said years ago, is like, make the thing and then teach people how you made the thing. Um, so if you're new to the show, uh, we stream regularly on twitch.tv slash lean art and we collect it as a podcast at lean and patreon.com slash lean into art audio and video podcast um and we tend to pick a topic and you know look at it from a you know a hands-on perspective and then more of a like a thinking philosophical perspective but every once in a while we take a break to do an episode we call reading watching playing where we just talk about some of the things that we engage with um because like like in terms of like consuming watching reading and playing um because all this stuff is interconnected this is all interdependent and even when we're playing what we play informs what we think about and the stuff that we make and all these things have influences on one another things that we read for fun or listen to for fun all feed into this 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 uh stuff we do that is a creative pursuit so but also to remind ourselves that, hey, we are not our jobs. <laughs> we are more than our jobs. <laughs> and sometimes it's fun to read, watch, and play. All It's, it's tough to untangle that sometimes, right? Um, it's, I mean, honestly, you just said a, um, a kind of poem that we live all the time, right? Where it's like we're always involved in some way with the, the life of being a person who seeks to uh, create and express and serve with with creative work, but then, you know, you, you, you absorb the things other people make and are affected by the art and the artists. And it, it's sometimes, it, it's one of those things where are you just there ever <laughs> or, but you know, the answer is yes, but it's also, uh, if you think about this stuff, maybe no, right. Cause there's always a chance to like exit the, you exit the experience and think about it. Like, well, how has this, this affected me? Oh my gosh, how and why? And, and it relates to, to these other things. And even when you make a thing and you try to compartmentalize the inspirations and say like obliquely what's coming in here. Like let's say you always make up totally um, hypothetical bands that aren't exactly analogs, right? For real bands. But they're infused with these analogs, right? It's, it's there somewhere. So... We like to wander that territory, um, and, and and this is that's our style. We 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 have fun, but we we also think about having fun. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, it's time to hit the stinger for the first section of the show: reading, watch, and playing. <laughs> oh. All right, stick and move, stick and move. Uh, so. What what do you you know? We went you you put together the notes of this one, and I showed up this morning and like filled out my reading, watching, playing list, and I realized that I haven't been reading anything over the past couple months, not even audiobooks, and it really bums me out. Um, mm. Why? What happens then? Like, so why aren't you um, having the time to read? Um. Like- so 
I mean, we're, we're in, you know, shelter in place. We're still at the time of this recording, the global pandemic uh, coronavirus is still happening. And so I'm spending a lot of time at home, which isn't a huge change for me, given that I've worked from home largely since like 2004. Um, but, but something about like the shelter in place and not being able to go out and like work in other locations or go out and just do things besides going for a walk in the park has made the work-life balance kind of like it's still an, I'm still adjusting to it. Like it, it doesn't feel like and because my wife's home all the time, too. Um, so work is happening on a lot of different parts of the day. Um, I'm, I'm sure this is happening to a lot of people who are adjusting to this, especially I got to imagine for people with children where you're you're not going to get a three-hour block of time to work on anything, right? So, and I'm having similar issues with, like, adjusting, like, my downtime. And so my downtime, uh, it, um, and I think also because I'm, you know, trying to work on stuff for A2CAF and CXC at the same time, uh, my downtime is really large, has been, like, this last month and a half, like, A2CAF stuff, right? So, like, okay, I, I don't have dedicated relaxation time right now i will soon but right now i i haven't um so a lot of my reading has been like research reading reading about how to do different things for as we switch to these online events um you know like it was just announced yesterday that uh the cartoon crossroads columbus is switching to an online festival this year we're not going to do a physical event so you know a lot of my downtime has been spent like researching that and figuring out okay well what what are the other models how are other people pursuing this and what are the different technologies available to me so like the idea of and and, and i've been doing a lot of writing for things like the kids comics awards which we'll talk about later so i just haven't had space to I haven't had like, like a lot of my reading happens when I'm listening to audiobooks if I've got like three hours to draw, which I haven't had, um, which is kind of a drag, but that is, that, that's, that's what's happening right now. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm adapting to it. I'm coping with it. And I know that when I get on the other side of June, I think there will be more space, uh, again for me to do reading. But so a lot of my consumption has happened in a much more passive way. Like I've been watching and playing things, but not reading anything, which is kind of, you know, not even not even podcasts, right? I haven't had a chance to listen to any podcasts, which is really like I'm like seven episodes behind on like four of my favorite shows. So mm. I don't think you're alone in this. And I know that uh, uh, and I really appreciate how you are open to me just jumping in and asking why, because a lot of different contexts and situations. Um, well, obviously, we've been doing this for, for so long um, that sometimes a, an abrupt question I know isn't going to throw things off, right? I, I mean, I really, you know, like we've built up this practice in our relationship and all that kind of stuff. So, and I had had a hunch that just peeling that back and looking like looking at that why is, I bet a lot of us are, are all dealing with that, right? And there's there's some kind of disruption in the stuff that we we pick to to nourish us and and inspire us, right? It, it's it's uh, even that is is um, kind of off kilter at this time. So, uh, because I went to do, you know, the, the list as well too. And I had to dig hard to be like, there's gotta be, there's always a new thing I'm starting to poke at. Maybe I didn't finish it, but, but I have an audible subscription. So that keeps, keeps me, you know, um, incentivized through the pain of a a subscription, right. To keep something in that reading queue and, and stuff like that. But it's, it's only been like 
nibbles of comfort food reading and research for, you know, practical stuff I need to do, right? Mm-hmm. But um, like repairing my driveway, which I'm currently <laughs> trying to figure out. I basically, I put in a bid and it hasn't been approved. Um, my wife is getting other bids. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but I learned enough to be able to do that. It's super funny because I actually, um, I remember... I did research, resurface my parents' driveway as a teenager. And as I was researching, a lot of stuff came back to me. So, But anyway, my, my resume isn't so strong. So I, other, other things are being considered. But so, yeah, so back to your list. Um, the reading kind of, uh, I, I felt that as well. And yeah, thanks for sharing your, the context. But um, so what has been working? What's, what's been like a good nourishing source for you? Well, um, one thing is, uh, Ann and I have been trying to make breaks for just to disengage. We've been trying to like be very thoughtful and mindful about making breaks to disengage from the work, like i.e. going for long walks and things like that. But one of the things that we have, um, is actually a children's memory card game that we got at Ikea. Like, I think we got it <laughs> as like, we got a couple of them as like, oh, these would make good like stocking stuffer gifts for like our nephews or something but we kept one for ourselves and it's just like it's just you know like memory cards like um you lay them all out face down and then you flip over one you flip over another one you try to find the matches it's that kind of thing mm-hmm. and the one at ikea was called like jungle skog or something like that it was just like a bunch of like little um jungle animals and like oh here's one with a panda on the beach here's another one with a panda on the beach here's one with a tiger in the in the jungle there's another one with a tiger in the jungle that kind of thing so it's a really simple not terribly uh you know we're not playing trivial pursuit we're not playing pictionary we're not playing something that's like really demanding a lot it's like more of like a disengagement and a relaxing all we're doing is flipping over cards and play it for five minutes at a time here and there Mm. in in the week just to give us some kind of peaceful well again i i love this language that your that your wife kate stenzinger used on the show years ago a purposeful pause in the day um so yeah that that's the only game i've really been playing is this memory card game um and i've been Mm. You know, using it for that purpose. It's a popular game. I like. I think uh, having some really, uh, let's see, uh, mechanics that have uh, few elements. Right? Memory is, is it? It's not like you're you're trying to memorize. Well, you could add stuff to it, right? House rules. You could whip beanbags at each other while you're trying to do the game, right? Yeah. Um, so you could always spice it up. But like, it's it's. It's I love that kind of like core function um, thing and 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 uh, that well I like to notice that kind of thing and then channel it into well game development and design. Mm. And think about like well why is that because because there aren't that many pieces and parts but it, memory is actually pretty fun and you, and the, sometimes I think well why because there's not that many pieces and parts. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty simple What's interface, it? right? You flip over two. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. it's like just at the beginning of the game is when it's the most fun because it's basically you're like trying to build up uh, a record of what has been, what pieces have been played, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I noticed that like for me, like those like these, these sort of like uh, heat maps that forms, like I know that the elephant one was in the lower right someplace. I couldn't tell you how many pieces away from the edge, but it was generally speaking, if you draw a red circle over the low, lower right of the of the layout that's where i need to look that kind of thing hmm. um, so yeah what about you what have that's you been cool. play, getting to play anything well i have this funny thing where uh i do like the 
let's see, a lot of the mechanics of like a 3D shooter game. But I don't, but I'm really picky about the theme. Uh, because it's, it's like, if there's more fantasy, then I guess I don't mind the violence as much. Right. And, uh, that's, uh, so I've been playing a, a bit of Borderlands three, which they kind of hooked me and got me because there's these there, you have the Microsoft, um, with the game pass, which is a little bit like Netflix on the Microsoft platform where they have this, this curated set of games that, that rotate in and out. And, um, a few months ago, a game rotated in that I hadn't got around to that it's, it was uh, borderlands, um, the pre sequel. And mm. it just came out at a time when I just, I didn't prioritize it, didn't get it, but here it is able to download for free, right. With that subscription. And I was a blast and I, I got really hooked on those mechanics, but it was actually right near the window where that game rotated out of the store or the game pass. And I was like, ah, they got me because I was, I was, it was like became my evening wind down ritual where it's like, okay, 20 minutes in Borderlands, which by the way, they, they, they refined their, their uh, level design from Borderlands 2, which Borderlands 2 typically got you onto series of tasks that didn't have a good break point that were maybe like, let's say it was optimized for 40 to 90 minutes of gameplay, right? And that just, it kind of broke my, my way of how I looked at Borderlands. Because the first one, it was this perfect dip in, and, you know, in, in even like five to 20 minutes, perfect, satisfying, uh, get a couple tasks done off of your, your missions and then great, move on, close it, save it, and nothing's lost. Anyway, so they kind of got back to that tuning, which is great for me because it's got this the, the rewarding sort of um, it's got that loot mechanism where the the sort of loot drops uh, that that more or less Di the Diablo series perfected, where you've got these different levels of awareness and different colors of, of um, objects that can drop from from your you know the enemies you take out, and uh, and so it's got a little bit of gambling reward in it, right? Where you're like, oh, I found the common one. <laughs> Ignore that. But hey, there's something uh, purple or orange. Ooh, and it's glowing. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So it's got this action and treasure feedback loop. Super fun and uh, relaxing. As long as it can happen in this that kind of rhythm of 20 minutes-ish, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, um, I got reconnected to that gameplay. Then they cycled it out. And I was like, no, <laughs> this was because it's nice to have that thing that where you're like, ah, I know that I'm going to, you know, run the different gauntlets, take care of the family, do what the family needs, take care of the projects and then the side projects and whatever, and then relax. And, oh, it's like someone kicked my stool out from under me. So, mm. Anyway, Borderlands 3 was lingering on my mind after that, where, anyway, so I did the upgrade and I got that after waiting of multiple weeks. I couldn't even tell you how many weeks. Pre-pandemic, I don't know. I'd have it down where I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was between Friday, this, whatever. Pfft, no idea. <laughs> right. Time right. passed and then I did buy Borderlands 3. <laughs> and it's... <laughs> And it's very well tuned and designed. The, the yeah, the character lineup they brought into this version of the game because every every version of Borderlands comes out with like different main characters. Um, it's been really good, and uh, 
uh, yeah, good story elements too sprinkled in. Um, silly sci-fi, over-the-top action, and they reintroduce characters you met in the prior Borderlands editions oh, as well. Awesome. Yeah, very satisfying to see. Um, little nice touches of like, oh, I think the ninja has a crush on that other character. Hmm, that's pretty cool. Right. Anyway, Borderlands there you go. Three, plus my story of how I got to it. Uh, it's it's really it's it's really good. If you find it on sale and are into that at all, uh, I recommend it. You know, I, one of the things that is going to happen in the near future for me is uh, Anne and I are going to have a home to move into, and I'm going to have uh, my own studio again. And congratulations, one, that's super thanks. cool. Um, and, and one of the things that we talked about was like actually having like a video game area, not like. You know, like like an area where the video games could just be set up all the time. Because like before, we always had them like in the closet, put away. And so it's like, okay, once a year we break out the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Every New Year's, that was our tradition. We would play uh, like every Atari Twenty Six Hundred cartridge we had, which was which is a, a substantial amount, but you could do it in an afternoon because you can't play those games for more than five minutes at a go before you're like, all right, next. But um, <laughs> kind of brutal. <laughs> but it's like it, I was. It was saying like, well, if we actually have the space in the in the studio space, it'd be cool to have that them just set up all the time and. Then, like the 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 light bulb went up, saying like I could possibly finally get like a Switch or a PS4 or an Xbox, and so like that's on the horizon for me. Is like I could make a decision in one of those directions, you know. Can't get all three; that would be nonsense for me. But I could pick one, and I could actually catch up to where everybody else is. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's it, it, hearing this is you know I'm I'm listening with that in mind. It's like okay, where where's the signals? What do I need? What do I need to have? Need to have? What do I really want to have? Um, although there was a rumor that mm-hmm. the Metroid Prime trilogy is coming to the Switch in mid June, and that is like okay, well, well, then we're just that's all there is to it. If they, that because that that implies that. <laughs> That implies that like four is almost out, right? Like they're coming up on releasing Metroid Prime Four. That would be amazing. It's um, yeah, it's going to come into existence. What I remember, they did a big press release and an "I'm sorry." Remember that one, right? Yep. yep. Because they basically had a really they had a false start. They invested a ton into making it happen, and they were like, they being Nintendo didn't like what was happening, so they ended a business relationship and they're starting over. Yeah, with so, Retro Studios, who did the first trilogy, so. Although it's, I mean, okay. it's it, it's been what sixteen years since, or fifteen years since that trilogy was wrapped up. So I mean, I imagine that the staff at Retro was not the same. So it's like, yeah, it's the same studio, but it's still different developers. We'll we'll see what they do. But um, hmm. anyway, but that's yeah, a really it, good point. Wow, yeah, time flies. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. It's um, been, anyway, so, so yeah, that's that's gonna be fun. Um, I'm happy to to play one of the voices in your your, uh, <laughs> um, I guess in your. I don't know if you have a brain trust about video games that you're I don't you know, tuning I don't. into. I, I really but, don't. Uh, so uh, I I would be grateful for your input on this as I move forward. And and any of the leaners, if they want to join us in the Discord, give me some advice on that. Um, great idea. Yeah. Um. What about uh, watching? What have you been watching, mm. Rob? Uh, let's see. I guess I go. I oscillate between um, research and comfort food, and also noticing what's just on. And I can't help but to think about what's on. So, so my kids have been been watching um, uh, a couple of 
shows off of Disney Plus, the um, the Hey Jesse series and the Lizzie McGuire series. Mm. And um, that, like each of them, it's 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 interesting that I find Hey Jesse is kind of like this. It's it, you know reaching way back into my childhood and like what would make that compelling because you have essentially these rich kids who were um, well they weren't rich they come from different you know areas. Uh, different backgrounds, but they get adopted by this, you know, essentially wealthy couple who have a butler and, well, uh, a nanny. Jesse's the nanny. And, uh, it, but it really, they, they get, there's this, this big pet lizard. Literally, it's as big as a, I don't know, like a, like an ottoman, right? It's a big, it's a big lizard. All sorts of silly sh- sh- shenanigans and elements and, um, stuff that, uh, it reminded me of, so you have these very empowered, you know, kids that can just go around and spend whatever they want. So what, how do, what's meaningful for them? Well, you know, getting, uh, they have kind of an acerbic Butler and, you know, they have a kind of an antagonistic relationship there and there's interesting dynamics among the kids and like, you know, one of them being, uh, an archetype of like the, wanting to become a star or, or you know movie star kind of thing one of them the archetype of the very smart one and the other archetype the, the the troublemaker and the sort of uh jack of all trades youngest one who is could be anything right anyway but you combine that it's like they're doing stuff that's i think for kids sends a signal of well um it's very I know it's empowering and it's good to, to be able to, to sort of sass and do anything you want sometimes, but then the repercussions happen in interesting, silly ways, right? So it reminds me of like Silver Spoons, right? Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking of that. Where, you know, they could decide to have a rideable train in their living room. Mm-hmm. Totally could do that. Um, and, uh, uh, but you know, still things happen that are meaningful, get in trouble, and they 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 live and learn. But it and it also reminds me of you can't do that on television because they do a lot of gross stuff. Okay. <laughs> so it's yeah, like that, that, that's um, the transgressive art of the eleven year old is like a good poop joke, absolutely, or, or slime getting dumped on a person. <laughs> so it, it's it's really cathartic when the you know butler thinks that his you know, his prized, you know, leftover thing is in the fridge and it's actually a gross experiment made from, you know, I don't even want to say, right. It's like, who knows? Toenail fungus from one kid that other kids right. trying to turn into a, yeah, to an A plus in science. Right. 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 Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and so over and over, you see this pattern happen and I'm like, but watching how, how it plays very well to its audience. And uh, it's it's neat to see stories that do that. You know, I hadn't thought uh, about this. Like I, I like the, the Richie Rich kind of story, the Silver Spoon kind of story. Like the I, I, I puzzled when I was younger about like why would anybody want to watch somebody phenomenally wealthy just like skate through life? But that's not the point. It's a fantasy story. It's just like like castles and dragons. But it's like you can have anything you want, but it doesn't take away the problems that come with being a person. Yeah, I can see that. Hundred percent. Yeah, and. Right, because it's easy to to get distracted about, you know, something that that is um, sort of a surface theme that may seem unappealing at at mm-hmm. the time, or where like um, I think that can happen in any any media. But then maybe there's uh, relatable elements and mechanics beneath that surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. And um, 
Yeah, super funny. Then Lizzie McGuire was an interesting thing, but like just aged up slightly, right? So dealing with uh, like tween issues and um, less fantastical overall. Well, the fantastical elements come in the way of her diary character, right? She has like a character right. that she draws in her diary who like they do animated sequences with her in the show, if I remember mm-hmm. right. Yep, exactly. And uh, so it has a heightened sense of reality and the expressiveness of, of sort of that, that cartoon, those mini cartoons interspersed between just, you know, kids going to school and making a mess in their house, right? Mm-hmm. So, um. But yeah, it's a it's a good series, and it has a it has a solid end with a a, a movie with an interesting um, seems like a fitting thematically fitting to the rest of the series. And neither neither of these I've seen like every episode, right? But it's like it's playing while I'm making dinner, <laughs> and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and something in my brain eventually goes like, "Hey, wait a minute, there's useful patterns here," and. Um, Sorry, I had right. I, I was, I was a, trying to I was trying to queue up things for the show and it's just auto played and I'm like thanks a lot for pumping the audio into the episode where I was trying to talk. Anyway, sorry. Hey, no worries. Um, I love all this new production stuff you've, <laughs> you've got going on. And uh, so okay, there you go. That that's that's was something that was ambient that I w- that I totally would sometimes take a break and and well, full on give my girls. attention. Um, so how about you, Jersey? What have you been giving your attention to? So I, I, I don't have, like, as I was explaining before, like, I, I, my, like, downtime has, like, been completely upended. And so the only time I really watch anything, it's more or less, like, just before bed. I watch one thing just before I go to sleep. And um, even then, it's like when that episode is over, I usually, like, turn to my phone and watch a little bit of YouTube videos. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos about, like, uh, streaming software, <laughs> both, <laughs> both for this project and for, like, as I said, you know, like, I'm currently part of two comics festivals that are switching to online models um but the thing i've been watching for fun is i've been revisiting uh an old series that i i've loved for like gosh the last 20 years even though it comes from way before that is the perry mason television series from the 1950s and 60s with raymond burr i don't know if you ever watched sure oh yeah saw a lot of it so yeah growing up that was in syndication and i imagine was inexpensive or what have you yeah so yeah I, we had th- there's a local station that played perry mason and yep i would watch that um yeah so, courtroom drama mysteries it's yeah. it's basically like it's it's another like murder mystery show like murder she wrote like diagnosis murder like matlock but it's like all with like courtroom drama and the the the, 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 key, the key idea behind it is that perry mason is this dashing and very wealthy uh, defense attorney, but he always winds up taking on these desperate cases where they don't have any money. All the odds are stacked against them, but he looks at them and he sees that they're telling the truth. He can tell they're telling the truth just by the way they said something. And so, even though it's an impossible case, no one can. There's no defense for what the, what, you know, like the the district attorney and the homicide uh, detective, Lieutenant Trag, has it locked. There's no way that they couldn't have done it. But Perry knows they didn't do it, and he finds a way. And he usually. In most episodes, it ends with, and I mean, there's something about something that has like um, uh, a routine to it that feels very comforting, mm-hmm. right? It's like, okay, we're we're about like you know 48 minutes in, so it, it, any second now, court, Perry's going to get somebody in the courtroom to break down emotionally and confess that they did it, either by you know 
interrogating them at the stand and they confess, or he's interrogating somebody at the stand to get somebody in the seats behind him to stand up and say, stop it, stop it, they didn't do it, I did it, you know? <laughs> um, that's the fun. Like, I, that's, those patterns are pretty great. That, like, um, yeah, I remember the Columbo series really had a fun pattern like that where it's, it's the, like, he's going to get the, the, the um, antagonist to confess. And, yeah. and it's going to be because he collaborated with the antagonist to get, you know, such a clear, um, uh, un, uh, uh, understanding. So what, it, so the, the, the Perry Mason rhythm, um, is, is, has, has gotcha. Has it, is it something that you enjoyed a lot as a kid and you're coming no, back to? I didn't even know about Perry Mason as a kid. I mean, I, I knew of it, but I, I had no connection to the series. It just like when I would say like 20 years ago when I was living in Phoenix, um, you know, Ann and I would have the TV on before bed, and there was this station that just played old syndicated shows, like really old stuff, like My Three Sons and the Dick Van Dyke Show and things like that. And one night, oh, Perry, wow. Mason, Perry Mason came on, and I'm like, oh, I've, I've heard of this. And it I, it just was on every night at the same time before bed. And so it just wound up being... This is this is back in the, 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 the era of broadcast television when you didn't choose <laughs> what was on at any given time. Um, so it was, it was more like it was just part of the background radiation of our lives back then, and we just found, wound up getting like hooked on that that formula. And the characters, you have like William Hopper as Paul Drake, the, the, the handsome and somewhat... He's, he's a tough detective... But he's not so tough that he like has to push it around. Like he does it in a very subtle way, and he doesn't want to get his suit dirty. Although he's not a dandy about it. Like he he knows he looks good. He's willing to get dirty, but he's going to do it in a way where he doesn't like you don't see the sweat on him, kind of thing. Um, hmm. And then Della Street, the like the super capable, hyper intelligent, and dependable like private secretary of Perry Mason, who's always you know. Um, he's always getting her into situations where she has to like climb up the side of a mountain to like help him test the theory. And I mean, she's, she's never complaining about it, you know? Um, and then, yeah, like, uh, uh, William Tellman plays Hamilton Berger, the, the, uh, prosecuting attorney who is always getting flummoxed by Perry's courtroom shenanigans. And like, it's, it's fun to watch him just like get, you know, frustrated and irritated as he like pleads for the 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 judge to like you know rule in favor of his objection but objection sustained because of some like obscure you know either law or like perry's got some like obscure um or like really uh, i don't know like unobvious rationale for why he's questioning in this way or that way so those kind of, I don't know, it's just, it, it's, it's, it, plus Raymond Burr is just like really, really fun to watch because he has a very, very subtle face and he does really, really cool stuff with his face when he's talking with people. And when you watch the, the what Ann and I call the Perry Mason FU face, where it's like this, this smile that he does, he leans his head in before he walks out of the room, he says, good day. And he does, but what he's really saying is F you. <laughs> okay. That's a, yeah. That's a good character vocab there. That's awesome. <laughs> like, like, um, huh. So that, that's really cool. I remember really enjoying the storytelling as a kid and I, I found it, um, I did find it reassuring too. the kind of the, the rhythm and the pattern of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and, yeah, it, it is a superhero like kind of thing where it, it it's, you know, there's an yeah, impossible thing and yeah. 
Yeah, and like and like he's like he's so like consumed with his job, but not in like a way that looks di- like like poisonous. But like if you see him at home, he's going over some like like you know briefs. You know, uh, he's he's never just like relaxing watching TV because he's Perry Mason. Um, but like Anst uh, got a masterclass account, and so she was. We were listening to the Neil Gaiman one about writing, and Neil Gaiman talked about this thing called, and I think he attributed it to his writing partner in Good Omens, Terry Pratchett. He said that uh, there's a scene in a story called the cigarettes scene, and and Perry Mason totally has this. It's the moment at the end of a of a detective story where the 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 crisis of the story has been solved, but you can't say goodbye to the characters right at the end of the crisis. Like you have to have a moment with the characters all standing around and sort of like talking amongst themselves and reminding you why you like these characters so much. And usually it's in Perry Mason in a lot of these detective shows. It's the how did you know that the matchbook was the key to the whole case? You know, mm. it's like, well, and if you notice this part in like fifteen minutes into the episode, like I did, and they're always smoking in this scene, right? Um, <laughs> and, and, and so it was. It's one of those things too, where um, like genre fiction has like certain like little, little like uh, thresholds you have to clear in order for it to be a genre, and fighting against the genre mm. and and twisting the genre is also fun. So part of the fun of watching the show for me too is watching it with that level of like paying attention to the structure of this particular kind of detective genre story, right? That is neat because those structures can be sort of. Um I mean, and, and an empowering pattern to just sort of get get ideas out of your head and start working on your own story and think about where does it fit more. Like in a recent re- uh, reading, watching, playing, I, I mentioned that was um, uh, I was listening to slash reading the book. Uh, what Save the Cat writes a novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and similar similar concept there, and uh, and, and in a way, it's sort of. Um, I mean, it's it's heuristics, right? It's not like laws and rules that are, um, you know, un, you can't challenge or infallible, but like they do create a kind of a useful vocabulary where um, playing with it and against it intentionally can, um, I don't know, uh, I I get I guess the reason the rationale for it when you create a story would be to say you have something that's probably more relatable. Because it's going to cause some some resonance as when when someone you know consumes your story for these other patterns like genre or what have you, mm-hmm. character archetypes. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, 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 ex, it meeting expectation relaxes you, and then so then when the the, the defying of the expectation happens, you're hopefully pleasantly surprised, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good good thing to keep in mind. What um, what are you thinking? I'm thinking maybe you we have another take a break and we could talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. what we're reading, watching, playing, and then I like this idea that you proposed of like thinking about thinking hard about what media choices we engage with because I think that's another mm-hmm. thing that we're probably a lot of us are probably managing right now. Um, what do you think? Does that sound mm-hmm. good? I yeah, I like that a lot. Okay, sounds like um. For our genre, this is the right rhythm to introduce the break. There we go. <laughs> All right, so about a minute and a half, we'll come back, and we're going to talk about a few more things we're reading, watching, playing, and then how we determine, like, what, what's the, do we have any kind of heuristic or hierarchy as to, like, how, like a flow chart determining what we're actually going to consume and why. But before we do that, we have to thank a few more people who, or thank a few people who make the show possible, and those are the people who support us on 
Patreon. Yes, patreon.com slash lunatart is the website. What is it? It is a way for you to give us a monthly upvote. If you believe in Rob and Jersey and what we put together here at lunatart.com, uh, you can support it, make it sustainable for as little as a dollar a month. And you could cancel any time. You could just like do a one-time donation, avail yourself of the behind-the-scenes behind stuff, and then punch out. But uh, I want to thank five people who have been supporting us on an ongoing basis at patreon.com slash lenatart. First, David, David Armentrout. Thank you, David, for believing in us and what we do. And it's been fun to engage with you or see what the work that you're doing in the uh, Lenatart Discord. And... Dado, thank you, Dado. You can find Dado on Twitter at Dadotronic, longtime you know listener and supporter of the show. Thank you, Dado. And Greg Horvath, Greg Horvath, you can find him on Twitter at igmhorv77. Thank you, Greg, uh, for believing in us and what we do. And Ashley Knapp, retro outro, also participates a lot in the Discord. Thank you. You can find Ashley on Twitter at Control Alt Lee and. Jonathan Warrenson. Thank you, Jonathan. And you can join them all at patreon.com slash art, where you'll find all the shows we make, as well as the extra leans, the shows we record only for people who support us on Patreon. Those posts become an open mic thread where you can talk about whatever you want in a safe place with fellow leaners and to get you access to special channels of the Lean Into Art Discord. Patreon.com slash art. Thank you to everybody there who supports us. It means a lot to us. Yeah, it does. Thank you so much. All right, let's get some other music to get us to the next part of the show. Um, I've got all sorts of like, whoa, that's loud. <laughs> and, so, whew. Yeah, I feel like Thor's going to come blasting in here any second now. <laughs> uh, we uh, clearly have a challenging something to face after that transition. <laughs> Mm. It, it it feels vaguely reptilian and probably 30 feet tall. So, um, yeah. Do you want to do, like, one or two more things we're reading, watching, playing, and then talk a little bit about, like, how we choose these things? Like, stay positive? Um, I'm going to do a, a, a rapid swoop of a few things. Um, okay. So, comfort food video games. Bomberman 93. Um, Let I'm me play to... this in the background while you're talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, all right, so Bomberman '93. It's uh, it just it came out at a time when just I did a lot of couch playing. You know, uh, well, there weren't a lot of couch co-op games in that day, so it was all couch competitive stuff, right? So, um, yeah, multiplayer, but no one was across the internet at in in those days, right? And Bomberman is like such a well-honed thing. We we talked about the memory match game before. I think Bomberman is a little bit of a, like, sort of a, a vocabulary of reduced elements that interplay really well in as far as, as a puzzle game and as an action competitive game, whether you're playing against humans or the computer. Mm. Do, you, do you have some thought, uh, Bomberman? I've never um, played Bomberman. Uh, I, I mean, it looks super cute. But what? I know. I have been in the same place as you Multiple times, and we've never played Bomberman. I don't think what? so. Oh, I, my. I, what? Okay. <laughs> I, the last time we were in the same place, we played that Star Wars game. The What was that called? Um, Battlefront. Battlefront. We played Overwatch. And yep. we played, uh, what was the name of the comic book one? Um, oh, Comic Zone. Comic Zone. I remember playing those, but I do not remember playing Bomberman. No, I, I don't either. And I'm just like, wow, I, I, I clearly have failed and I will do better next time. <laughs> well, we could gather again. The first right. thing you and I are going to do. 
Let's play Bomberman. man. <laughs> exactly. I'm hungry. Just hold on. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So Bomberman is, I mean, it's, uh, so for me, I end up, um, I don't know what to say. I'm like professor old bomber guy. Right. So I like to share all the strategies as I'm playing. And, um, you know, because it's not fun to just dominate and what have you. I, I've played Bomberman for about over 30 years. So bring it <laughs> anyway. But that's not my point. I'm like, bring it. And I'm happy to share what I learned. And plenty of people online are way better than me uh, and and swear so much. Um, I I've had not the greatest experiences playing Bomberman online, but playing on the turbo graphics, uh, it's a, it's, it's, it's a joy. It's so silly. The, the kind of, um, just there, I like the old Bomberman, uh, franchises more than the latest because the, I like that they're adding more diversity, of course, but then the story is not developed to a point where I find it consumable. It's just sort of, uh, it's not resonating with me and it just kind of gets in the way the, the cutscenes, whatever, but like this, mm-hmm. the, the classic Bomberman, it's just all the, the, the basic elements, get more bombs, get more range, uh, avoid the sickness skulls or, or embrace them, especially if you're a computer and you have no reason not to, <laughs> um, and that kind of thing. It's uh, no, there's other things, uh, I'm bomb. You're, you're in a maze. You, you just basically don't want to get hit by the flame of this th- bomb that got sat down by you or an opponent, right? Okay. If you're playing in the competitive arena. And it, that's pretty simple and interesting and compelling on its own. But then you add these other elements of like, oh, this person can keep laying bombs or their range is pretty wild or your range is pretty wild and you forgot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now you get hit by it because you thought you were far enough away, but you're not. All these kinds of things. It's a great game. And... um there you go. I talked about it longer than I intended, but <laughs> there was a lot. Uh, there was a lot of passion and enthusiasm for it in there. There's so. also a puzzle version of the game where you where you take all those skills and there's there's little um, uh, baddies of different cartoony types, and you um, you just need to get find the exit in that version of Bomberman. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, both modes, same game. Uh, it's uh, excellent versions are available for so many platforms, but of course, I'm pretty attached to the one that is on the Turbo Graphics 16. Understandably, you've you've, you've yeah. explained your relationship with that game system before on the show. Anybody who's been listening for a while has heard that, but you can go back to the archives to hear Rob talk about the Turbo Graphics 16. I I I know you're not alone on this. I, some other cartoonists I follow online recently got the I guess Turbo Graphics. They did like one of those anniversary editions where. Yep. Yeah, and they were, you know, posting pictures and very, very loving prose about what, that, what it's like to have this machine again. So, I love it. I'm glad it got a, a treatment of a. Um, I forget. I don't even know what they call that one, but it's basically you. You can play. I think dozens of games built into it, and um, you know, it's a faithful translation of the old system and you can easily connect it to your tv where i need to do some adapters and contraptions and stuff to yeah yeah i was thinking about that with like breaking mm-hmm. up my atari 2600 um i i i kept i have a cathode ray television it's a little like 10 inch tv and i kept it specifically mm-hmm. just for that purpose right like it takes up an, enough space that it's like uh, do you really want to keep this thing forever 
Well, and you can't even use it for television anymore. Nope, this thing is specifically just for my Atari. So, <laughs> yeah, that's it's a toughie where a lot of things you cannot really emulate. So, especially certain pieces of technology like um, like the the Zapper games, mm-hmm. things things from Nintendo with the Zapper gun, or the, if you're a PS one or PS two era uh, gun games, same tech, you can't really use that on a uh, HD TV. It's so. funny. That's that's another thing I haven't thought about in a long time. Is like how the actual um, physicality of the device itself, both the controller, but also the act of pulling out a cartridge and slapping it in, and you know, mm. blowing on all this stuff, like is part of that experience. Um, yeah, because like because uh, you gave me a emulator for like a whole mess of games for the Raspberry Pi a while back, and it's like it's one of those things where it, it, it it's so. I don't know. I, I think this is leaning to Artie. Um, when you have, here is a bucket with 10,000 things in it. Pick the one you want to do right now. It's like, oh, I don't know. It's like a lot. But then when it's like, well, here's 20 cartridges. And you have to pull that cartridge out. And you have to put it in. And then you have to like hit the button to make it go. Um, it makes it, there's enough friction between switching that like, it makes me commit to it just a little bit more. You know? And, and this is a conversation we've been having <laughs> Um, it, with mm. a two calf and, you know, thinking about like, okay, well, when we make virtual events or v- video events, it's like, how can we create enough buy-in so that people actually want to show up to participate? Cause it's not going to do us any good to make a thing that nobody watches or listens to. And also there's this ubiquity of video right now. So like, how do we create enough value or value slash scarcity so that like, you don't want to miss this thing. Right. Um, because there is like there's, there's something that's bewildering when you have like well it, the same thing happened with like when I was uh, collecting MP3s you know like when like my favorite bands would start really just, like pumping out like ten thousand MP3s of their collection it's like well it's di- I, I I don't want to sound like an old fogey but it's different than putting on like a CD or a record right it changes the experience so something I haven't thought about like and it, but I have been thinking about it in other contexts. It's, uh, yeah, all those elements, it's, it can be difficult to, you, you can understand the constraint, but then what are the ramifications of the, like how you design around the constraint? And honestly, the, the only way to get like really useful insight would be the combination of interviewing people, talking about people, like what have people done? And then if your solution relates to what people have done, like true real past behavior, not predicting future behavior, that's not going to be a great uh, source of information. But then also testing like small versions of what you're trying out, right? And seeing, get your fresh observational evidence to see how this is panning out. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, like things of their time, like the feeling of collecting is different now. Uh, um, The, the, the feeling of curating and consuming is different, but yet you see things like, um, well, uh, vinyl, vinyl records come back into vogue because of a variety of their attributes, right? Their their large physicality, um, the the more it's more immersive, like a piece of art that's about, you know, as large as I don't know, what would be that? I guess it's something that that really it's larger than your head. Right, I mm-hmm. guess that's that's mm-hmm. maybe that's a meaningful way to look at it, and like you can connect with media that is more like uh, I guess there's you can have more 
interactions and immersive things and choices with that experience because of how it is put into the world. Yeah, and anyway, but then what that means for your project, um, that's a that's a whole. That I mean, that's that's experience design and and uh, to do that well involves, I think, research and prototyping mm. based on what you learned. Um, but yeah, not a trivial problem. Um, yeah, it's, uh, which we've been thinking about that for for weeks now too. Um, you know, both of us that we keep revisiting this topic. So if you're curious about like some of our th- recent thoughts on virtual events and all that, um, we've got like two, three, eight recent episodes to um, to help you out there. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's 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 digress or digress. Let's trans uh, shift to talking a little bit about staying positive via media choices because I thought that was a really interesting thought. Like, get a little bit. Second half of the show is usually the meta section. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, we talked about what we consume. How do we choose what we consume? Um, I, it's let's see, the I love my projects. Um, I do enjoy finding ways to keep that good feeling going about the projects, and I essentially have this hierarchy where I ba- I do I do things that are like more core, sort of you know family and primary core projects in the earlier parts of the day, but the later parts of the day, I do, I go further into just experimental side projects and stuff like that. And so if I can have media that's fun, that helps me connect with this stuff, that's what I'll gravitate toward. And then like the last part of the day is just pure, whatever is going to give me good energy. And I mess up, I mess up all the time. Right. So part of my research, my info stream is social media. And some days I get on the pain train and it's rough, but, um, you know, this, these are the times in which we are part of. And I try to notice that and then say, what can help me reset this? Also, sometimes the answer's right there in, in the stream because I, I, I do get lots of, you know, nourishment and inspiration from different folks I follow. Like for instance, um, Fresh metal that somehow fits my tastes is it's not easy to bump into because the algorithms, they just keep saying the same things that once were really useful and insightful and not really useful anymore, right? Um, everyone's algorithm has helped me out at some point when it comes to metal, but now they don't really. Um, but then uh, uh, John David Guerra mentioned Skullfist um, and this, and it is just talking to. It's talking to you. <laughs> see, there we go. <laughs> For those who, who didn't see it, Rob started headbanging <laughs> immediately after hearing this. <laughs> oh, my God. So, there's <laughs> yeah. something... Yeah. There's something very... Uh, nourishing for me and my tastes when I hear someone who is really evoking like they're a, that that album is is roughly 10 years old but that even 10 years ago that was many years since that sound was common right mm-hmm. and uh, and they do a good job with it as well so it's they have uh, there are other bands that evoke this time of thrash metal and speed metal that don't necessarily 
um, pull it off sincerely. They they do it with the smirk, right? So you've got mm-hmm. like Lich King. Lich King is fun. I like them, but like they're smirking a lot, and I'm like, hmm. I don't, you don't have to smirk, but that's all right. Um, and uh, and other bands like that uh, that uh, have problematic names. I'm not going to mention here, but um, Zach Gialongo knows who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's um, so yeah. So sometimes a band like that happens, and it's it's worth letting that just. Um, be a surprising, nourishing burst of positive energy, right? And say, ah, all right. Now the thoughtfulness is, say, is, is saying that you get added to the parts of my day where I can consume this and be affected by it with, without, you know, being distracted, right? Unless it's... Because I don't typically listen to metal that makes me want to headbang you know, minutes before bedtime. That's not really a good time to be like, I'm pumped up. I want to go work out or draw, you know, with big motions or something. It's, that's not a before bed thing. (laughs) But, but if it's like, Hey, you need to shake off and switch gears, uh, going from, you know, kiddos bedtime to like, um, it's time to, you know, complete an illustration. It's time to, um, you know, uh, edit that video of a workshop or whatever. And yeah, getting, getting that infusion is, is great. So, um, so then the intentionality is sort of saying like, it can pop up anytime and notice that and go with it. Right. Let, let, let might just be, be okay with the, um, a little bit of a distraction for the Eureka feeling of, you know, something that hits me so positively. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it might, you know, get another spot in, in, into the process of like, well, is this music that fits with drawing or with writing or, you know, coding, et cetera. So how does that work for you? Well, what you're reminding me of the way you're describing this is it, I remember hearing something somewhere. What was I listening to? Was, I think it was on a podcast. This was months and months ago. Um, but it was about like, it might have even been like the You Are Not So Smart podcast, but it was about like breaking habits. Like how do you break habits and how do you form mm-hmm. habits? And like a, a way to break a habit is to really ask yourself before engaging with it, how do I feel after doing this thing? Like stopping yourself right up front and saying like, because like, a lot of like the the habit is formed out of like just like intuitively going to the thing but then just like creating a little bit of like i if i'm 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 paraphrasing and i'm probably missing some of like the complexity of the of the thought but like what i'm hearing and what you're saying is is like you're really thinking about what do i get out of each of these activities like what what is the journey that i've noticed that i go through when i engage in these activities and that helps you decide whether or not now is the right time to do the thing and i know i have friends that i've talked with about who or talked with about this idea of having a little moment for themselves and like going to a video game and realizing they're playing way too long, you know, um, you know, not, not engaging with it either in, in the right time or in the right spirit kind of thing. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's like, if I'm summarizing or building on your thought in any kind of meaningful way, but like, I yes, you are. Absolutely. And, uh, and I'm, it's, I'm not a machine. I don't do this perfectly, but like, that's what I gravitate toward. Right. And, um, 
I like to notice um, it's it's just worth it. Noticing helps me shape both the what I make and how I make it, and the experience uh, that that connects all those things. Because um, you know, yeah, I I have. Um, let's see. So let's say if my if my my sort of work my the final stage of my workday ends a little bit early and I I do have free time to to play a game. I try to be thoughtful about this is a window I'm going to play this game right. This is like stage one of of wind down and then stage two will be you know a YouTube video or whatever. Um, a, a little bit of an audio book and then bedtime. Or by the way. Four million years later, podcast. Freaking awesome! <laughs> that's kind of you. Yeah, that's that's the podcast I do with okay. my buddy Hoover, which oh. we talked about in the show quite a bit. Which is one of those things where it's like so thoughtful, but so calm and all that. Where it's um, it's it's honestly fitting for chores or just before bed or any any time because yeah. uh, yeah. So one of those things is like that's the final stage, and then just all right, get you know set all the things aside, go to bed. Mm. But I do mess it up also, right? That's the general pattern I, I work toward. But you know, mm-hmm. um, I I look at it all as so maybe it is it fits with that habit theory, and maybe I've just sort of given it my own language in my head. But like, it's it's just sort of um, agreements I make with myself. Yeah. And, and I'm hearing a lot of self care, uh, like motivating those choices, and that that pattern. Sure. Um, one more that when you were talking about social media, and yeah, social media, I have to pay more attention to it now. I haven't been engaging with it as much, but I have to pay attention to it more because of my jobs with these comics festivals. And um, hmm. and I, I, what your experience of talking about like riding the pain train and like it feels, you know very true to my experience in engaging with it and paying attention to it. But so I've tried to be more uh, thoughtful about introducing, you know, positive influences into my streams as well. Just because we're emotional creatures, (laughs) I can only feel one way for so long. Um, And there's this one that have you heard of the tiny chef show, Rob? This is one that a friend, a friend of ours introduced us to me and I'll pull it up on screen. And it's, it's, um, it is, it's an animated, it's like a, a stop motion. It's called The Tiny Chef Show on Instagram. And it's a stop motion animated little green chef who, I'll play one of the videos. I'll see if I can get it to play. Um, you can hear how he talks. <laughs> He's really oh, cute. He's getting ready to do some planking. What? He's issuing a challenge okay, to go, go planking. What? <laughs> And that's how he ends his videos. Oops, why is it playing it again? Because it's Instagram and we just loop our video. Um Anyway, but yeah, it's this it's this cute little green chef who is like just do, he, doing all manner of things, most of the time cooking, but like he also does mm-hmm. like 
things like this where he did like a planking challenge and he always ends his videos like okay i love you bye you know uh and it's just like he's pure earnestness and positivity right like so mm. much so that i could see how it'd be a turnoff for certain people but like for me it's it feels like it's like it's a bomb at the end of the day mm. <laughs> It's like, yeah, we live in this really scary, dangerous time. Everybody's angry, and it seems like these problems just can't be f- fixed in any kind of, like, uh, at least the, the, the way to fix the problems doesn't seem obvious. Okay, here's, like, 30 seconds of this little green chef planking to just remind me that, like, oh, yeah, humans have good in us, too, and we express joy and, and, and silliness. So, the mm. Tiny Chef Show, um, if people want to follow that. It's got a lot. It's got like five hundred ninety-three thousand followers. So a lot of people know about it. Wow. <laughs> well, okay. That's yeah. I'm I'm sold. That's uh, <laughs> I and right, right. And it's it's. I guess my intent. It's about it's about navigating and doing my best for for myself, my family, the the community around me, and all that stuff. I care deeply about everything going on, and I want to. I guess. You know, do my best to help with any way that makes sense for me to contribute to helping. Right. And if I, if, if I'm in a position of, of, of ill health, physically, emotionally, what have you, it's like, I don't know. I, I need to tune into things that are, that are helping me, uh, um, build up as opposed to being torn down. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and while still being connected and affected by the world around. Right. So there's this, there's this line that like the, um, what's difficult is that, yeah, the right. I guess where where's there some? It's it's worth having rich sources, more than one source, and also um, engaging in thoughtful curation that that gives you a broad range of of what you find meaningful. And uh, right, because of course, like I I like to encounter stuff like Skullfist also. Um, I can't wait to see Tiny Chef. You know what I mean? That's, <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I contain multitudes, and we all, all of us, contain multitudes, and and um, the the social media is something to be, you know, that you're not shaping that. So think about there's the company shaping that thing, and be thoughtful about how you engage with it, because uh, um, the the more amped you are emotionally the 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 more engaged you often are with, as far as how they observe that concept which means your your attention and your time is spent more on that platform so i think about that too so i care a lot about just interesting newsletters and email um media that is just my silly old dvds that i put in a closet sometimes i go through those too right mm-hmm um, just the, the, the nourishing can come from all kinds of places, um, books on the shelf, all that, um, doesn't have to be the live stream media. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that, I think we walked around reading, watching, playing again. Okay. Uh, (laughs) do you want to take another break and then come back to talk about our two minute practice for this week? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Cool. So we'll come back in about a minute and a half, two minutes to talk about what our two-minute practice is. And before we do that, we have to thank some more people who make this show possible. Those people are us. We make the show possible. We work hard on lots of things, and we bring all that 
hard work and hard thinking to this project we call Lean Into Art. And the thing that I work on that I hope you will check out this week, and actually this month, um, is the Kids Comics Awards at the Ann Arbor Comic Arts Festival. Um, the festival is, is doing online events this year. It will not be a physical event because of, obviously, you know, uncertainty with regard to safety and gathering in groups. Um, but we're still holding the annual Kids Comics Awards, and I'm, I'm rather proud of this project because it is, as far as I, I know, the only comic award that is where the nominees are chosen by children and the winners are chosen by children. So it's specifically for books made for kids, chosen by kids, and... Uh, you know, there's 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 no intermediary there. We just have like an open nomination ballot where the kids all pick their, you know, what they like, go through the spreadsheet. Okay, who's standing out? Is it getting a lot of votes? Well, they're the nominees. And then, you know, whoever gets the most votes at the end by the kids wins. And um, so only set ages 17 and under can vote. It's at a2calf.com slash kidscomicsawards. Voting is open until June 30th. The winner will get, as I have on screen, this cute little Lego trophy. And this year we started making uh, Kids Comics Awards stickers to put on their books. And we've got like cool holographic stickers where it's all shiny. And then there's also like little like plain stickers to put on their books. Um, and you can find the ballot at a2calf.com slash kidscomicsawards. And once again, 17 and under, uh, you have to be 17 or under to vote for the winners. So that is wild. Nominated, nominated by kids and voted on by kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah. I'm, I, I think it's, it's a really cool project and it's, it's a lot of work, but I think it's, uh, it's meaningful because it's sending the, these authors a, a clear signal of their readership. Um, you know, so, uh, hey, Rob, you have an online store at robstenzinger.com slash store.html. What can I find? I do. Well, you can find a few things that I make which uh, and, and services I provide. So I provide some online workshops. Those are sort of uh, pre-prepared, downloadable things that you can go buy, uh, get access to through Gumroad. But it's all listed here. Just go to robstenzinger.com slash store.html. Uh, easy to you know jump jump to the purchase from there, and then of course these are actually all available at Skillshare as well. So if you're already a member of Skillshare, go check these out because they're they're just out there waiting for you. Um, but of course, if you click on this link, you get uh, I think a couple of free months um, when you sign up for Skillshare. So a couple of ideas there to check out the online workshops I provide, which relate to um, let's see, I I have a uh, I have a lot of um, experience connecting the different things of storytelling and design and expressing ideas visually. And I put that into a variety of forms, whether it's uh, being, you know, fun and playful, looking at uh, sketching the happiest kitty in the universe, or if it's uh, collaborative emphasizing, like working with you, getting out of your own head and incorporating more voices into building your product or service through drawing user journey maps. Or like you're looking to level up and practice a thing, but you want to do it in your way that's most meaningful to you. Maybe you want to do Inktober or similar, but want to make a book at the same time. Well, you can you can really clarify all that through the customizing your next creative challenge workshop. Or maybe you're thinking about goal planning and it's like it's a daunting process and thinking about like stuff in the near future and long term and all that. Well, what if you could use design and storytelling to help you get through that through some fun activities? Well, I've got a workshop called Goal Setting Using Design Plus Storytelling that I co-created and co-presented with Kate Shield Stenzinger. 
And um, that actually has a handy workbook associated with it as well that comes with the video. Or you can buy the workbook on its own. All this stuff is available and more services like my coaching at robstenzinger.com slash store.html. You know, we are at the time of this recording at the end of May, which means we have June, July, August, September. We have four months until October. Um, but I would think that um, now would be a good time to start thinking about, like, if you're going to do something like uh, Creative Challenge in October, like Inktober or something, one of the many. Now would be a good time to start thinking about it. And I would actually underline the customizing your next Creative Challenge workshop as, like, that'd be a great place to start your thinking. It's a framework for you to begin to investigate what do you want to do this fall and give you some time to spin up for it, right? Um, so yeah, robstensinger.com slash store.html or Skillshare or Gumroad, uh, customizing your next creative challenge. Do check that out if you are a visual storyteller thinking about taking a uh, creative challenge this fall. The last thing Thanks, I Jersey. would... yeah. Last thing I'd point you to is the Lean to Art Discord. Lean to Art has a forum, and it is on Discord. It's a Discord server. There's multiple channels, to, places to talk about different topics. We have a topic request channel, comments, comment on past episodes, um, post your, some of your two-minute practices in the challenges quests channel, and then there's three channels for people who support us on Patreon. Um, the invite link will be in the show notes for this episode and every episode, and so you can join us there at the Lean Into Art discord okay time once again for the two minute practice let me pull that up because that is that is a uh a separate podcast that we make out of this section so people can just subscribe to the mm -hmm. two minute practices yeah right on i mean it's it's handy you could subscribe to both podcasts where this one gets you the deep conversation also the two minute practice and if you if you just want a reference to just jump straight to um, you know some kind of playful way to to learn something new, yeah, of course, subscribe to the two minute practice as well. So, hi Rob. Hey Jersey, two minute practice time, eh? Two minute practice time. So, what was our practice for this week? Well, I, you you had a um, an interesting. Um, idea last week, which was about sort of generating a word cloud. It could be with just single words or phrases that just come to mind and just get out whatever is on your mind, put it on, you know, something. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought that was, that was really fun. And I, I did have a chance to get to it this week. I, I, I did a couple sessions myself. Um, if, if I don't remember if we talked about this in the last segment on the two minute practice, uh, but I was as I was doing it, I was reminded that I have a prompt in my emergent task planner um, mm. every day, where and it's based on I can't remember where I heard about this, but it, mm. at, at the bottom of every page is mm. a prompt that says like what good happened. And I can't remember where I, I first heard that. I, I think it was attributed to Benjamin Franklin. I can't remember, but it was this idea of like, and I think the original idea was like what good did you do? Well, I'm like, well, let's broaden it out a little bit further because I don't know if I'm like at the end of every day ready to have that conversation with myself. Uh, but like, at least I could say like, did any good incidentally just like happen in the day, whether it was something I caused or something that like was gifted to me or something I noticed just like prompting myself to think about what happened today and like focus on something positive that happened that day. Um, and, but that's an end of the day activity. This felt more to me, this idea of like doing a word cloud writing prompt, uh, prompt of like, just like what's on your mind felt even f 
scaled further back and it felt like it was something that was appropriate to do at the beginning of my day. And that's when I did mine. What about you? Do you, do you have a sense of when yours occurred? Uh, mine was typically at the end of the day. Mm. Um, okay. Except, so I did it, I, I, I did this practice three times and I guess so two out of three were at the end of the day. And then this, the, the, my last practice was, um, you know, as, as, as the day got rolling. Okay. So interesting. So you, yeah, but you have a ritual where that really fits. It sounds like. Well, I'm, I'm not, I'm a human being, so I don't attend to it as, as, you know, as often as I would like, but I leave it, I, I draw it specifically into my ETP every day mm-hmm. of the week to like invite myself to do it. Um, so it's at least a ritual in the sense that I consider it every day, even if I don't necessarily write something every day. But um, hmm. my experience doing this one is like, well, you know, doing the word cloud kind of approach. So I use my favorite tool, which is sticky notes. And I just like grabbed all manner of whatever. I was trying to stick to just words if I could. Like, don't even try to write like phrases. Just leave it as just the words that you're thinking of as you like let the, you know, stream of consciousness go. And I tried to um, also use my multicolor pen to like just change colors frequently. Um, There was no rhyme or reason to changing the colors. It was just more like, so I've got one of these guys, you know, it's like a, a multi-pen with like little sliders that you can, you know, move to change your colors. Um, you, yeah, you combine the multicolor pen plus sticky notes a lot. I do it that It seems a lot. to be a really yeah. strong tool in your, yeah, tool well, set. Well, I, I, I lean on this pen a lot for my emergent task planner in, in the sense that I categorize the different functions that I perform as a human being and I code it by color. So like, you know, personal things that I do in the day, like if I go for a run and I track it, my ATP, that goes under pink. Um, comics, mm. comics or illustration work that makes me money <laughs> goes into green. That's my green category, right? Um, Aha. Yeah. Um, blue, they have a dark blue, and that's for, you know, if I'm doing any of my advocacy work, light blue is podcasting or video, things like that. So, um, so I, I lean on it a lot for that. But, like, I also like color coding it in that way helps me distinguish distinct thought. And so that was what I was thinking about with this. It's like, okay, well, don't assign a color to any particular emotion or type of word. Just constantly be shifting colors just so that you have you can distinguish the different things that are that you're looking at on there. Does that make sense? Uh, it does. Yeah. It, I mean, I saw when you held that up, it really stood out as being, um, like I might wonder like, Oh, what, what kind of encoding is happening there? But it's just, it's just about clarity. Yeah. Um, like these are different. Otherwise it could, you could get like kind of a run on phrase or something or, or like misassociate. So I, that's, that's clever. Um, now I noticed that you did use different, like, so you did an interesting thing where you used the same canvas for different capturing. Yes. And you still use different colors, which I noticed as you you posted these in the Discord. Uh, do you do you want me to pull them up on screen, or do you want to just describe? Uh, them? You you feel free to, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Um, it because uh, I was I was just getting ready to potentially uh, share that, but if you're you're ready, that's cool. I got it. So, um, yeah, the I I just started a um, I one of my favorite tools. I, I love sticky notes also. I use the heck out of them, but like I, I have sort of a, a, a rolling um, dry erase board in my office, and it's um, it's like um, 
don't know, it's like four by six or something like that, but it's, uh, but it's in portrait mode. And uh, yeah, it's very handy. So it's a great place to push to go throw some thoughts and see what, see what comes out. So of course I, I, that's what I picked for this exercise. And after doing the exercise once, cause I thought, Oh, I will have a collection of, of, of photos. I actually thought, wait a minute, I'm going to keep this. And then, yeah, like you said, I'm going to add to it each day. So then I will pick a different color of mark, dry erase marker and then see what happens. Um, and for the most part, like one, one of the things why I thought, oh, I'm not going to do that is, well, I'll be affected by my own words. I, I'll see my word and I'm going to write something that triggered by that word, right? Or associated or what have you, which might have happened a little bit. Uh, but instead, I, I had a word that came to mind and all of a sudden I was about to write it next to another word that I didn't feel like they were good word buddies. Um, there's a lot of tension between like, um, I don't know, uh, angry and uh, like, where, where was I going to write that? It was like somewhere near like... Some, it was near something else, like family or something. I was like, nope. I, I, so I, mo- I just moved the marker where I'm like, I'm not writing angry next to family. <laughs> and so it had, a, it had some effect on me. But overall, you know, the, the, same, the words came out. They weren't filtered. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what I was curious about, and I haven't put in the time to do, is what emerged because in the idea of a word, like one, one interpretation of a word cloud is that you are, it's a visualization of the repeated uh, concepts. Yeah. So, so I was, I was wondering like what repeats both thematically and specific uh, individual words. And having, and I haven't really done that crunch yet on this. But, but having the single canvas that you work on makes it easier to do that analysis. I Mm -hmm. suppose I could take, all my sticky notes and put them up on a board, right? And yeah. hold them side by side and get a sense of what's, what's repeating. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like another takeaway I have from this is that doing the two-minute practice on a weekly basis has gotten me accustomed to the idea of taking a breath and diving in when the two-minute timer starts. Like, I don't feel as panicked in doing it. I don't feel like I'm... Well, panicked is not the right word. That's a little bit... Um, I'm being a little bit dramatic there. I mean, I don't feel as rushed. I don't feel like I'm racing the clock when I'm doing this now. It's it really. I feel like I've gotten into a rhythm where I show up, turn on the timer, and just curiously discover. Like like I walk in with curiosity to discover how much I can do in two minutes and what comes out the other side. So um, it's this whole idea of acting without expectation, which is a very Buddhist idea, it's a very Taoist idea, and it's something I found is very attractive, but it's not, it's not an easy place to put your head without practice, right? Um, and this is something I got out of meditation when I was, when I was younger and I was doing it very seriously. Um, this idea of acting without expectation is exceedingly difficult to do, for me. And doing this has gotten me into that headspace in a very manageable way. Hmm. That's uh, so. That's like a metacognition kind of skill. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's imp- that's wild. Um, but what's funny is as you put it into those words, I, I have to say I, I I identify with what you're describing because I have not like clearly cleanly ritualized my two minute practice approach. 
but I have this comfort with it that now. And yeah, that kind of shifting gears and um, seeing whatever comes out of it, uh, I guess I have less less worry and I, and more trust. Yeah. Hmm. And, and I mean, I think it's worth investigating that just from the sense of like charting our experience not only makes us more mindful of what, what we do when we do it, but if for the people who are maybe on the sidelines curious about participating in a more regular basis, we're pointing to some of the treasures that might be in the cave, right? Um, is it's, it's not... <sighs> because we've talked about this a lot in two minute practice and on lean into art is that I try to hack creative challenges to make a thing often. And this is very, this is, this is sort of rigged to not let me do that. <laughs> and which, which could cause frustration, right? If I'm like, but what am I getting out of this? Well, what you're getting is, is that you're, you're, you're reinforcing and encouraging a relationship with, with creativity that has no sense of expectation that is, is showing up just for the sake of doing it and, and letting the challenge ask you to show up and be what the challenge needs you to be. If that, I hope that doesn't sound too woo woo as the kids are saying nowadays. <laughs> I think I honestly, good, quite good point. If, um, yeah, I, I will not give a woo woo rating. Um, but because I think there is inherently, um, it, it it's worth being thoughtful about that kind of, like, like I said, it's a metacognition thing. It's thinking about the thinking. It's thinking about the, the, um, the, the practice of the practice. And that, sure, like I guess that, that gets characterized as if we're characters in a story talking about this stuff, um, we're either the person to co- totally ignore because we have terrible advice or we're the thing that's going to help the hero figure out their puzzle right mm-hmm. so yeah up to, up to the up to the listener of course yeah it depends on depends on what your alignment is mm-hmm. uh so how are you feeling about uh this one and what do you want to do next hmm let's see what is a a prank so there's a there's a shape a constraint of that the two minute it's inherently can't be overly ambitious right and that's always a that's a practice for me because I, I like I like to fill my ambition shopping cart full of stuff. Um, and <laughs> the ambitious shopping cart is more like those like uh, one of those shopping challenges where you just have to run through the store and fill the cart with as much as possible. <laughs> totally. Rob's got his arm on the shelf and just swiping the whole shelf into the cart. <laughs> and it's all General Nadine falling right into the cart. <laughs> and that's the guy. I've got no space for the Millennium Falcon or anything else cool. General Nadine. Oh my God, he he was what they called a peg warmer, wasn't he? <laughs> uh, uh, so, okay, so what could we do? Um, this brainstorming practice was interesting, and I was thinking, is there any theme that came out of what we were experiencing from this that we would channel into the next practice? Well, I I just noticed that by doing it at the top of the day, it let me. Um, externalize a lot of thought, which let me let go of a lot of thought. So, like one of the one of the words I wrote uh, on a recent one was dreams and nightmares because I had uh, a couple nights sleep this last week where 
there was I was having a lot of very vivid dreams where I went upon waking up like and I woke up three times during the night from these these very vivid dreams and upon waking up I knew exactly what that was about. He's like, oh yeah, mm. I'm processing that right now. You know, uh, yeah, it, it was it was about pe- foxes that looked like people, but I know what that was really about. You know, like that kind of thing. And mm. so, um, it let me. It's it, there's something about and this is something that I think we both love about journaling. It lets you just externalize the thought, capture it in a way that is that is inexpensive. So now I can approach the day with some kind of level of freshness, right? That's what I got out of that. Um, it's, it's it's acknowledging that the thought was there and moving on, and it's it's there on the paper in case I want to come back to it and attend to it a little bit. Um, but it, the same way, like talking through an idea with a friend helps you right it's like look i just need you to listen to me while i kick around this idea for a little while so is there is there like a a way we can shift back to drawing now that does the same thing right it's yeah i like how what would be hmm so it could be uh, we've never done this but and some and maybe this is a bit of a game breaker because if someone didn't do the prior practice, then it would be hard to chain the practices, right? Mm. But then, so we could. You, what if you used your your um, your mind or uh, cloud word cloud to feed uh, to to be prompts for uh, drawings? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we got a whole mess of them, right? So. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Uh, a two minute drawing. Um, I would, I would say like, here's like, if you're wondering about hacking the game, you could do it where it's like you do one drawing based uh, two minutes at a time based on the prompts, or you do a series of, of drawings based on the prompts, combine the prompts, right? So I've got like two here. I've got like uh, run and I've got tightness. Could you combine those two ideas into a drawing, right? In two minutes. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of flexibility mm-hmm. there, and I don't think that there's, there's any prescription here. But I like the idea of like, take the prompts, turn them into drawing somehow. But what are you thinking, Ryan? Yeah. You look thoughtful. That's good. Yeah, I, I like that. It's it's I, I'm I'm just looking at this what I journaled and thinking like, okay, what would I do to visualize any of this? And that that'll be yeah, sounds fun. Very thank you. That is a perfect recasting of the idea. Visualize. Don't even let's not even say draw visualize some of those prompts visualizing can happen in a lot of ways right oh okay visualize can happen with your camera yeah you could be descriptively visual like what this is this this um what do you picture based on what your um your impressions from your journal yep Mm. okay i didn't mean to twist the prompt i was just trying to function with the prompt (laughs) but but okay I, I like I like opening it up more, making it more more vague. Like just visualize whatever visualize means to you. Right? Okay, that sounds excellent. I look forward to it. All right, thanks, Rob. Yep, thank you, Jersey. Okay, I think we've done a podcast this week or two. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, thanks for you know another thoughtful exploration of reading, watching, playing. Um, thanks, everybody. My who pleasure. Down. Thank you. Downloads and listens and watches. We record this show weekly on Thursdays at noon Eastern time, 11 a.m. Central. We stream it live at twitch.tv slash leanintoart and then collect it as a podcast at leanintoart.com and patreon.com slash leanintoart. We'll be back 
next week with another episode. Until then, everybody, I have been Jersey Drozd of LeanIntoArt.com and Jersey Drozd on Instagram. And I've been Rob Stenzinger of LeanIntoArt.com and I'm Rob Stenzinger places like Instagram. Okay, bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at LeanIntoArt.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the user LeanIntoArt and you can reach us via email at leanintoart at gmail.com. And remember, leaners aren't wieners. Thanks for listening.